1: Hello everyone. Hope everyone is doing great as the weather in the east is getting colder.
0: I wish we are getting colder here.
1: <laughs>
0: it, it, it's hot where I am.
1: Yeah, we're all sitting here deciding should we put on the heat or hold on.
0: <laughs> yeah, my mom is in Baltimore and she uh, lit a fire for the first time last uh, last weekend.
1: So. Wow, look at that. See?
0: Yeah, let, her, let us know where you guys are tuning in from as you join us here. We have uh, always loved to to hear your guys' perspective and, and your voices. This is not a one-way conversation. This is not just a podcast. This is also interactive. So Absolutely. fire your questions at us and uh, you know, stay stay part of this conversation. It is a two-way dialogue. So Denny, what did we talk about last week and what are we talking about today?
1: Well, last week I was not here, but you interviewed <laughs> Becky Becky Nova and I have heard great stuff. Um about that interview watched it myself and it was phenomenal um she's Uh, just a a great lady um and today we're going to be talking about safe and creative house hacking try saying that 10 times house hacking (laughs) tactics during covid um because let's face it again (laughs) covid does impact our lives at least for now Um, Yeah, you know,
0: back in March, we didn't think we would still be talking about this in October, at least we hoped we weren't going to be. But, uh, you know, here we are. So hopefully we're not talking about this next October.
1: (laughs) I don't think we will.
0: I don't think we (laughs) will. You never know. So Tim Tim Dooley chimed in. He said, great topic today. Glad to be here. Well, Tim, we're glad to have you with us, as always.
1: Absolutely. Um, How are you doing, Tim? So, um, just in case you don't know about house hacking, house hacking is a way to slash living costs um, and in some instances live for free um, and there's many ways to do it whether it's and we're going to go over some of them but whether it's buying a small multi, living in one, renting out the others, renting out rooms in your house and some of the other things that, um, that you can do. So with that being said, um, I'm going to leave it to you, Brian, to talk to us about the first
0: tactic. Sure. Well, you know, traditionally when people talk about house hacking, they're talking about buying a small multifamily. And by small, we mean two to four units because up to four units is still classified as residential, which means you can use conventional mortgage financing for it above four units, five units and up, those are qualified as commercial properties and they require a totally different set of financing. So traditional house hacking, you buy a small multifamily, two to four unit property, move into one of the units and then you rent out the other unit or units and the rent from your neighboring units ends up covering your mortgage. So you get to live for free or at least housing free housing.
1: Right.
0: Now, you know, not everyone loves the idea of living in a multifamily. Some people don't like the idea of becoming a landlord, you know, although, you know, if you're listening to this podcast or a video guest, then you're probably not one of those people. But one thing that you can do during COVID, because we do have this eviction moratorium hanging over our heads as landlords, and there's no way to enforce our lease agreements right now. So one way that you can skirt around that pretty major restriction right now is to rent out your other unit or units to Airbnb guests because they, you know, unless they are there for for months, they do not qualify for squatter's rights. They are guests in your property and you can have them removed by the police if they overstay their welcome, at least if they're there for uh, less than 30 days or 60 days, depending on your state. So using your multi-unit property for Airbnb can, you know, keep, keep the revenue coming in and you can still enforce that uh, agreement with those renters. And you know, it, it's, it's something that's relatively easy to do. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have you can, it's easy to do safely. You don't have to interact with these people. If you don't want to, you can completely automate the check-in process and the checkout process. I, my wife and I use Airbnb all the time when we travel, and at least half of our interactions with hosts, we never actually encounter them face to face. So you can do this in a very safe way during the pandemic if you are concerned about meeting guests face to face. So yeah, it, it's a perfect way to house hack during the pandemic with a multifamily property and not having to hassle with that eviction moratorium, which is you know a big problem for a lot of landlords out there right now. Now, final- would you
1: say, Brian, that um, Airbnb rentals, I know for a little bit there, they were having a hard time, like in the beginning. But um, as of late, I'm hearing that they're not. Um, they're actually doing really well right now. Do you find that to be the case?
0: Well, it depends on the location. You know, a lot of people are skipping the urban travel right now and they're doing more uh, mountain travel or, you know, remote uh, you know, tourist destination travel, you know, going to, you know, small beach towns or small mountain towns or, you know, that sort of travel as opposed to say going to New York city and doing the whole urban travel, right. because, you know, let's face it, those museums that are open are, you know, have a super reduced capacity and, you know, just, there's just less appeal to urban tourism right now. So it just depends on, on where you're located. Some some Airbnb landlords are doing better than ever in twenty twenty. Some <laughs> Airbnb landlords are doing are having the worst year ever. So it really just depends on, on where your property mm-hmm. is.
1: I know um, in my area when you go towards the mountains right now, their their prices like skyrocketed and and it's hard to get a place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. I, although it's, it's not to say that there's no urban or suburban opportunities for Airbnb landlords. I mean, you know, I have a good friend back in Baltimore, Zach Green, who he has a couple Airbnb properties and his units. He actually got some uh, medium term renters in there who were there for like a month or two. And he, he's actually he's and even before that he had pretty good occupancy throughout the summer. So there is there are opportunities. So don't don't discount Airbnb, but you should do your homework and, and check what occupancy rates are like in your market if you're considering switching to that Airbnb model.
1: Right, and Christina from New York says the upstate uh, in upstate New York, which is about an hour and a half from New York City, they're doing great again, which is similar to what we're finding here in in the Philadelphia suburban and you know mountain and vacation areas as well. Um, and Katie
0: Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I happen
1: to know her well. Do you? As she okay. says it seems like some people might prefer Airbnb to hotels at this point as it's a um, space completely on your own without the masses of, of a bunch of people at a hotel, which I agree with that. I mean, over the last summer, we, we've stayed at a couple, and um, I would prefer it. That way. I, just, I like Airbnb myself.
0: Yeah, I mean, so actually – so okay Katie's my wife, of course, for those of you who don't know. But she and I are actually traveling this weekend, um, just doing a little staycation near home. And we thought about staying at a hotel in, in the city where we live, in Brasilia. But we ended up renting a house that's about a half hour outside of the city for partially that reason. You know, We don't want to deal with crowds, deal with people. We want our own space. And you know, it's just safer. And, Absolutely. and let's face it, it's nice to get out of the city. Uh, it you is know, when you when yeah. you live downtown and you haven't really been able to do any traveling this year. <laughs> so.
1: Christina also added that some people from New York City are actually coming to upstate to quarantine. So that's interesting, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there was a comment from um, Eddie here. Uh, he said uh, I was looking into the, the hub government website for or the um, is, is, was that maybe meant to be HUD? Like Department of Housing and Urban <laughs> <laughs> Development. Uh, oh, I programs guess. FHA and opportunities oh so he's talking about um, for financing multifamily properties and um, Eddie that is a great point and something that is actually we were going to mention right here is that you can use conventional financing including Fannie Mae and, and Freddie Mac loans some of which have down payment requirements as low as three percent so you know way lower down payments and we'll link to an article. On our blog, that outlines some of those programs and how you can use those as a real estate investor, as a house hacker. So, yeah, you can you can get way better financing terms from the lower down payment to lower interest rate to uh, lower points and settlement costs. So, great point, Eddie. And uh, yeah, way easier to finance. You can't do that, you know, infinitely. But for your first couple properties, you can get away with using conventional financing if you move in.
1: And um, another way, another thing to, you know, keep in mind here is that um, Airbnbs and traveling like that keeps our babies safe.
0: I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is very true. That was spoken and, by know, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing is that you don't have to buy a multifamily property in order to house hack. You can create a, an informal granny flat or casita or income suite without actually changing the zoning of your property to being a multi-unit property, you can, you know, set up a basement apartment or an above garage apartment where you can build, you can put up a little tiny house, you know, on your property. If you have a large property, as long as it has a separate entrance, its own kitchen and bathroom and sleeping space, it's its own contained thing. You can rent that out on Airbnb, you know, as we've been discussing with, with the more traditional house hacking, or you can rent it to a long-term renter, like a, College student, or a grad student, or you know, whatever, a young professional, and uh, you know, if you do go the Airbnb route, then you know, again, you can skirt around that eviction moratorium and still be able to enforce your agreement Absolutely. with your renters. Um, but you know, a lot of people, it, it's not a very big uh, renovation to separate out a basement apartment. You know, a lot of basements have their own separate entrances anyway. So something to keep in mind if you live in a single family home and you're not looking to move, but you do, you're interested in house hacking. That's another option that you can explore, especially during COVID.
1: We also have uh, course information from um, Al Williamson's Airbnb course. Uh, I will get that link and put it in the, did you do it already? Is that why you're smiling?
0: No, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't have that link handy, but... So you know, one other thing. Speaking of renovating your own home, another way that you can house hack during the pandemic pretty easily and effectively is doing a live-in flip, where you buy a single-family home or a multi-family home, if if you're feeling that instead, and you can move in and renovate it over your own timetable. You know, especially if you're handy. Uh, but even if you're not, you can hire contractors to do that for you, and move out. So you you live there while you're renovating it. And then when you're finished renovating it, you sell it and move on to the next property. But it's a great way to house hack without having to deal with housemates Mm -hmm. or immediate neighbors. So if you hold a property for at least one year, then you can avoid short-term capital gains taxes, which are taxed at your normal income tax rate. You you are taxed at the lower long-term capital gains tax rate. If you hold the property for two years, then you meet the homeowner exemption. So the first $250,000 in profits are exempt from income taxes. Uh, If you're single, it's $500,000 if you're married and filing jointly. So you you move into a property that needs some work, you renovate it on your own schedule over the course of a year or so, and then you sell it and move on to the next property. But your profits from doing that live-in flip often will outweigh any housing costs you had during that year or so that you lived there. So, you know, it's it's a way that we don't normally talk about house hacking, but it's a great way to house hack, particularly right now during the pandemic, if you don't actually want to deal with renters. So one more option in your toolkit for Just house hacking cool. during the pandemic. Yeah, and again, you don't have to worry about the eviction moratorium either. Right. You're not actually running anything out.
1: <laughs> That's the name of the game right now is trying to... Uh... Escape the eviction moratorium.
0: Right. So, you know, speaking of which, Denny, you have a pretty unique way of house hacking. You host an international exchange student. So I, tell us a little bit about how that has worked out for you, how that works, you know, the stipend. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, well, I, <laughs> crazy as I was at the time, I my kids finally left the nest and I wasn't ready. So... I happened to talk to somebody, I believe, and they told me about, um, you know, hosting an, an international student. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So I looked into it and signed up and we got Alex and it's been really cool. I mean, we we uh, experienced this whole COVID with him, which is was tough. Um, but it's been great and there is a stipend. So you get paid. Um, Every area is different. My area, we get about 1200 a month, which um, is currently our, almost our full mortgage, mine and my husband's. So
0: (laughs) it's
1: it's a great way to live for free. And there's so many um, experiences. Like I, 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 got friends out of this. I talked to his mother all the time and it's just a really, really good experience. Um, so if you ever yeah, consider, do- go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say we have a, a link to where you can check out the company that, that Denny and her husband go through.
1: Oh, Christina, the company's name is Cambridge, and they're really good. Um, they, they've been so supportive, especially through this um, since March, because there's been a lot of things to navigate. Alex actually just returned back, um, so it's nice to have him back, but there's just so many different nuances you have to do, and they're extremely supportive, so it's been really cool.
0: Yeah, and we added the, uh, the link there, Christina, into the comments if you want to check them out. Uh, Trent Thompson checked in from sunny Houston. Nice. Tim Dooley asked here, he said, do mortgage companies qualify you for a loan if you can't afford the house? If you indicate that you're going to create an Airbnb space on the property. Mm -hmm. So the way that works, Tim, is you can use the income from other units to help you qualify for the mortgage. Um, yeah, so they, they do it based on long-term rents and, um, I think it's 75% of the, the total, the gross rent amount is what they allow you to put towards your income to help you qualify on an income level for the mortgage. Uh, so yes, you, you can use that future income from the extra units, the extra rental units toward for qualifying for your mortgage.
1: And not all lenders may do it that way, but there are some that do. So it just might be a matter of just finding the right one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, for, for conventional lenders, I think that's, that's a hard rule across the board is 75% of the gross rents uh, you can put towards your, your income qualification for the property, but you know, portfolio lenders, you know, private companies that lend against rental properties, you know, that's lender by lender. So you just have to speak with them and see what they say. All right. So Denny, our fifth and final pandemic house hacking tactic, (laughs) take it away.
1: Well, rent your space for stuff, and then you don't have to worry about evicting, and you don't have to worry about, you know, dealing with, you know, one-to-one person during this pandemic. Um, For instance, if you have a garage, rent it. I've done that. I've rented out, and people are looking for stuff like that um, constantly, so garage, even if you have, um, like, we... Have a very large area that has parking space, and there are people looking to park campers and stuff. And it can all reduce, it can still reduce your, um, you know, your mortgage. And it's there's no work really involved in that. There's not going to be a nuisance with that. It's, you know, maybe somebody coming in and out, and you can actually put rules in whatever lease you choose to you know draw up for these things i mean even a basement you can use for storage and whatnot um and then it's there's no um you don't have to worry about the moratorium either the eviction moratorium because you just get rid of the stuff you know there is certain (laughs) rule that each state has regarding that but it's way easier than than removing a a person a family or whatever so, if you uh, have absolutely. extra room, let people put their stuff in it.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you actually you touched on a couple points there that are worth diving a little bit deeper into. One is that so there's there's self storage space that you can rent out, so for example, in your garage or even or your, your basement or whatever. Um, there's also parking space that you can rent out, and there are different online websites that you can use for either one of those. So, Sparefoot.com, I know, is is one for. Um, you know, it's like an Airbnb, a peer-to-peer service for self-storage space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are also parking share, parking ship spot uh, renting companies as well out there that you can use. So, and not just for cars, but you know, to your point, any RVs, boats. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people want covered parking for these. Yes. So you know, if you do have a larger garage or even uncovered, just a larger driveway where you can fit someone's RV or someone's boat there's a huge demand for that you know, yes. even in more rural areas. So, you know, and that's, that's very low stress, low hassle kind of landlording, right? You know, self-storage or or parking spaces. So you don't have to worry about the regulations or any of that stuff. It's much easier.
1: Absolutely.
0: And Christina says she has a, a garage that's sitting empty and she's oh. actually uh, getting ready to, to do this herself. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, we should have, I should have pulled some of those links together. So as far as self storage space, so I can think of two companies off the top of my head. One is sparefoot.com and the other is neighbor.com. So those are relatively easy here, but I'll put them in the,
1: uh, you got them. I I also did put them in the host chat. If you can transfer it over to the public side for the Airbnb course, seminar, free seminar, webinar, uh,
0: yeah so okay so I just put links there to uh, neighbor.com and sparefoot.com and then as far as parking spaces so spacer is is one that I'm aware of although I'm not sure that that's available in every single state that might be a regional service um, I, I, yeah I, I can't remember there are a whole bunch of websites though for renting out parking spaces so quickly search. And
1: frankly one of the best is um, is like Facebook on their marketplace um, yeah that's absolutely. probably one of the better ways to even do it
0: yeah, and Craigslist, oldie but goodie, You yeah, know, still super popular, so don't be afraid to use that. Uh, we'll also put a link here to our free house hacking calculator if you want to look at that. This is particularly useful for multifamily house hacking uh, or housemate house hacking. You know, a lot of people feel less comfortable doing housemate uh, house hacking during the pandemic, so we, you know, we didn't include that one today. But if you are interested in some more tactics for house hacking that we didn't go over today, uh, we'll also include one final link to an article that goes through 10 different tactics for house hacking uh, in the comments as well. And uh, and then, yeah, I see, Denny, you sent that link here. Um, you know what? It's not letting me copy that link to uh, Williamson's Airbnb course. Uh, but we will put that in the podcast page that, that will go up tomorrow. So, All right, Denny, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? about COVID-friendly house hacking tactics.
1: No, but Christina brings up a good point. Um, check with all your local authorities, and that is so true because you don't know what um, they will disallow, what they will allow, and whatnot. And you don't want to get in trouble with them. That can be a an issue. I mean, even um, some homes are in, like, housing developments that have rules and whatnot, and right, if you're storing somebody's boat in your parking or or your driveway or whatever, you could get in trouble. So yes, make sure and check with your local authorities before you do anything like that.
0: No question. And as always, you know, send us an email or a message with any topics that you want to hear about. This is about you guys. It's not about us. So let us know what you want to hear about.
1: And have a great day.
0: Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrunnel.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.